Welcome to Out From The Cube. This is episode 145, somewhere in there. I think at one point I had 160. I need to keep quit telling people that I'm on episode 160, but it has been quite a while. I was doing LinkedIn Live episodes around March or April and really got into some LinkedIn Live episodes. I believe the last one may have been with Alan Stein. And it was right when COVID was happening, right when we all probably got shut down a little bit and we're working from home. And I got, a, uh, I got the LinkedIn Live uh, subscription and was able to create uh, some content that way. And then since then, you know, whatever, you know, March to now is almost 10 months, uh, you know, nine or 10 months, haven't been able to put out an episode. So uh, job change, job responsibilities, house responsibilities, um, and a variety of other excuses that I can come up with for not putting out some episodes. But I um, have been thinking a lot about the podcast, uh, what to do with it, um, people to bring on, how much I've enjoyed it over the past two or three years. And spent actually a lot of time on Amazon figuring out you know equipment to buy and um, what I might need to build like an at-home studio that was better. Some of our guests, uh, you know, Alan Stein and Tony Watley and some of these other people that are really you know, uh, I'm lucky because I, I got those people were on our podcast two years ago. And to see, you know, Tony Watley, who does 365 Driven, who's out of the Houston area, and to follow him on LinkedIn and Instagram and Facebook and see what that gentleman is doing in his life with his family and his career and the value that he is providing uh, through his content is absolutely amazing. And the same goes for Alan Stein. And I, boy, I remember having those people on two or so years ago, but I missed out, you know, on those conversations. I missed out on those relationships by not being totally immersed in the podcast. Um, but again, some things come up professionally. And, um, you know, somebody told me uh, 30 minutes ago on a phone call for my work about, you know, uh, my number one stakeholder. My number one stakeholder in my life is my wife. And so and my number one um, thing that I have in my life outside of my family is my work. And so that would always come first and and uh, what I'm asked to do with that responsibility. So but I'm excited to go back into it. We, I started doing some research, like I mentioned, and started thinking about getting the podcast going again. And then a friend of mine uh, wanted to have a cup of coffee with me two days ago, two days ago, two days yesterday, ago. two days ago. Uh, my friend Joe Quinn wanted to have coffee with me. And so we went and had a cup of coffee and he just asked like, hey, what, what's going on with your podcast? And um, I've enjoyed it. You know, he said he enjoyed it and, and things of that nature. So I told him, I was like, hey, I'd like to get it going again. And so, you know, he said he would like to come back on and possibly be a regular with us, uh, much like we've had, you know, Jason Wells. So if we're at 145 episodes, Jason Wells has been on 30 plus of them. And um, those have been great. And Jason's career and what he's doing right now in, in light of, you know, the pandemic and, uh, you know, being shut down a little bit and businesses maybe being reluctant to kind of uh, spend money on some of these things. Jason's just doing a great job and we need to get reconnected with him and see how he's doing and all that. But Joe wanted to, you know, be a re kind of a regular with us and I'm all for it. And Joe's been a dear friend of mine personally. Um, you know, we, you know, we had him on the podcast. I looked it up before we pressed record. Joe was episode 12 so if we're on 145 joe was episode 12 which was probably at the beginning of 2018 maybe uh, 2019 maybe two years ago that we had joe on so um so joe said he wanted to get on and i was like hey let's th this is great for me to uh some of the things i'm learning and trying to implement in my life with my teams my kids and uh my career 
of just about creating momentum, being accountable to one per, you know, to somebody, one person, many people, um, can really just kind of get you springboarded to, to create action. Um, and so with that, um, Joe, welcome to episode number two for you. <laughs> we're in, the, we're doing this from the basement yeah, of yeah. my house. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but again, Joe's a dear friend. We've, uh, our, you know, we do basketball with our families together. Our families hang out together. Our wives are friends and all that. But, you know, welcome to episode 146, I think it might be, and episode two for you. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. And uh, glad we had coffee the other day. And I, I was telling George, you know, it's because he, he took a little break, spent six months. And, and uh, you've done a great job with the podcast. And, you know, the, the honeymoon phase is over. I said, man, you got to get back to telling your story. So I think you've got... Uh, <laughs> You've got a lot to share and uh, glad to be back on the show with you. So thanks for having me. No, this is great. So yeah, Joe, uh, so we'll have Joe on regularly as, you know, even a, a co-host with us. There probably will be times as we get back into this that, you know, maybe it's, uh, I guess somebody called it a solo cast, a friend of mine up in Chicago, um, uh, Coach Molitor, um, who runs his, uh, the Molitor group up in Chicago, who's become a friend. He does solo cast. So some, there might be that on occasion, but um pandemic hits right march you know i think you had just you you got a new gig the the gig that you, that you had is just uh you started a year ago two years ago yeah almost a little bit less than two years ago little, so. two, and then everything goes well with that and then the pandemic hits right so how has the how has that impacted you your business mm -hmm. your career yeah. your aspirate your dreams like everything that you want to do how has March till now, right? March to January 15th. What, what's been going on? Yeah, you know, the, the pandemic hit, obviously, it, um, it really really changed the industry. And I think, uh, so I'm, I'm in the alcohol industry that, you know, a lot of people didn't know what to do. Businesses didn't know how to react. Um, what's it going to be? What's the impact? Uh, alcohol is typically recession proof. But then again, you have all these bars, restaurants, et cetera, that are impacted. And so nobody really knows what that impact is going to be. Mm. And you know, we, we tried to really reduce travel, um, you know, save as much as expenses as possible, try to protect the company. And, uh, you know, I think overall we did a really good job uh, mm. during that time frame. That is, I mean, it is being, in, when something like this happens, is being in the alcohol business, like, are you sitting there going, whew, luckily <laughs> people are gonna, like, I'm telling you, this is well, not you know, my favorite uh, story, but yeah. I'm not sure I handled the pandemic perfectly. But when it <laughs> happened, and it got to be around five o'clock, mm -hmm. And it was sunny out and I have a fairly big front yard and uh, and my wife and I like that sit and have drinks together yeah. and when the Sun is out and the pandemic hit and it's March and April and spring is breaking and the lawn chairs are out on the front lawn and we would grab drinks and yeah. sit out there and wave to the neighbors I mean it became at some point she said we got to quit doing this right um, but, well, yeah, but is it, was, was there some comfort like people are gonna keep well, drinking yeah well, you know, when you're when you're in an industry that is um, essential, right? That was important. I mean, I think I mean, a lot of people were not in that essential, and thankfully that the alcohol industry is. Um, but you, perfect example of you know, you, you can be outside and you can be socially distanced. There's less risk outside, <laughs> right. so you, you know, friends come over and I came over. Yeah, we sit on lawn chairs and we drink a few cold drinks and <laughs> had a good time. <laughs> so it did, but it, it it hit like how did these bars? How did that impact these bars? Like, I mean, it's one thing to go to. Kroger or um, you know Deerberg's here in St. Mm -hmm. Louis and get you know and get liquor. I mean it's it's fully stocked. But if you're going to the corner bar wherever you live, sure. And those places are shut down. I mean that's how much of that alcohol industry is is just wrapped up in the local bar. Sure. I mean really the the I mean I, I'm responsible for seven states, um, so it, every county, every state was a little bit different and. Uh, 
really what we found out, I mean, obviously the bars and restaurants were hit, but people were just buying their alcohol in different places. So maybe they're going to Walmart or they're going to a liquor store. Sure, they're mm-hmm. still getting it. Um, they're still consuming it. They're just some, some are uh, consuming cheaper, depending mm-hmm. on your financial situation. And they're just buying it in different places. So um, overall for us, you know, our, our case volume, we, we still grow and it's just been in different aspects for sure. So n- nothing like it just kept, and it actually got better, right? I mean, your group and yeah, the, we grew, the, the, we grew, like you grew, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Business was, was very strong. Now you think that was, did that, did the pandemic have a play in that or would you have probably hit those numbers anyway? No, it, it definitely pandemic helped. So yeah, anytime there's a, a, a disruption in the market, that's, scary for people uh unfortunately people drink in good times and drinking bad times yeah. so yeah. well uh, I, I think it's important i know we said we try to keep these as we move forward to 45 minutes and i, I want to be true to that although people that have listened to the podcast before know i get long-winded but i talk fast and so <laughs> but I, I i do think it's like go back and listen to joe's story but give your story uh, it's episode 12 i think i said uh 12 or 14 i believe it's 12 um just your background, like you, you're a Missourian, grew up here, yeah. you went to college, went to Columbia, right? Yeah. Tell, what's yeah. your story real so, quick on what, you, geez, what you've done? Uh, um, I'll start from the beginning. So I'm one of nine, I'm number seven, actually. Uh, we grew up in a small farming community. Uh, actually, that's where my what, met my wife in high school. Uh, went on, played a little college football, didn't get to play too long, didn't, didn't play all four years by no means, but uh, got my undergrad at Mizzou <clears throat> eventually. Uh, after that, I joined Sands Club for four years in a variety of management roles for them. Joined PepsiCo for 10 years in a variety of roles, um, mostly operations, but also uh, had sales roles with, uh, with PepsiCo and then got recruited by Coca-Cola, went to be their VP of operations and switched over to hmm. the alcohol industry where I was a VP of operations there. So um, been in the food and beverage space uh, my entire career. Uh, got four kids as well. Mm. And uh, still now the, now the pandemic and COVID has shut your family down, hasn't it? Because I think your wife said something like you guys yeah, have been yeah, for like uh, a while, yeah, right? So my oldest boy, who's a sophomore now, uh, five times, 45 days quarantine. So oh. yeah, it's crazy. So oh, yeah, man. being, being sports oriented family, like we are, you know, the right. kids, uh, yeah, that definitely has a big impact. Yeah. Your story though, of when, how you got started with, um, with Sam's. Yep. The, just the quick story about because I'm I, I'm still super interested on how a, a pro a company like Sam's mm-hmm. uh, exp- probably especially Sam and I may not have your story exactly sure. right and I'll let you tell it but it's like you were young like you became a manager running warehouses running facilities like sure. these big yep. lo- at, a, at an early age right yeah definitely a young age so I started with um, Sam's Club and and you know actually it took me about a good six or eight months out of college to find a job that I was. You know, you think you spend all this money on a degree, and then right. what am I going to do when I grow up? And and uh, thankfully, uh, ran into Sam's Club, and I went through their management and training program. After that, they um, actually had me grand open one of their their biggest store they've ever built, and it was in Reno, Nevada. That's right. And so I was shipped out there for uh, a year, and uh, was r- responsible for for that. And that was a, I, I think I lived in that club for a full year. I don't think I really knew what Reno was like. Mm. Uh, but then they shipped me back to actually St. Charles after that, and I worked in four different clubs here. Now, was that West. random, or did you? They know you were from here, like you were hired from here, or um, you, you know, had boys that you uh, wanted to get some back. Some personal to reasons need to get back to St. Louis was my mom was getting really sick, so I actually asked for a transfer. So okay, and, so they uh, knew. Okay, so you had put it. It yeah. wasn't a random thing. Uh, yeah. So a year in Reno, living in that. What's it like? 
Now that's corporate. That's sure. somebody else's dollar, and you're supporting somebody else's dream and goals and all that sort of stuff. But even, like, if you open your own shop, you're living it. Like the, I, I listen to Andy Frisella a fair amount, and his story is phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, Andy Frisella is a local St. St. Louis person here that uh, opened and runs and operates and is a CEO of supplement superstores and First Form and all that. But his story of sleeping on couches you know, figuring out how you're going to eat or eating top ramen and like scrounging up money and, but living there, is that essentially kind of what you, even though it's somebody else's shop? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I was, you know, I'm, I'm young. I'm right out of fresh out of college. I didn't, didn't know much. My first management experience, uh, went through a management training program that's supposed to be six months long. And at two months they said I was ready. So they shipped me out to, to Reno. You know, we have 250 new employees and, and, and everybody's new. And I'm, I'm, I had like more seniority by two months than these people. So I'm, wow. I'm managing, you know, a, a large, large group of people at that at time. At what so age? I was uh, fresh out of college with 21. So you're 21 years old. Yeah. You get shipped off to Reno to open a Sam's Club. Mm-hmm. There's 250 employees that have just started as well. Yeah. What's your... What's the message of a 21-year-old that's running Sam's Club with 250 people, most Survive. of which may be older? <laughs> Do you have a message? <laughs> you know, um, and that was the thing. It, it was it was challenging. I mean, there was no doubt, you know. But the energy that we were able to create with the people, especially, you know, um, in the early months, you know, when it first started, everybody was fresh. Hmm. Uh, people were excited. Um, I think customers were excited. A new store, big, big Sam's Club, beautiful building, huge, you know, so... Uh, actually, it was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed that. I mean, I enjoyed Sam's Club. Uh, it wasn't right for me knowing that I was going to have to work weekends all the time, you know, and just knowing that I wanted to be a family man first. So I got my master's degree, actually, and that's when I joined PepsiCo shortly after I got my master's degree. Where did you get your master's from? Uh, they When I moved back to St. Louis and okay. St. Charles of Lindenwood University. Okay. I, I thought maybe you had got it, like, moonlighting out in Reno. Nah. Uh-uh. Okay. No. Is Reno a hard place for a 21-year-old to that's in management, that's away <laughs> from home? You know, it's amazing. There's a, there's a lot of cash transactions out there. So, um, yeah, you know, it is. Um, but my wife, you know, she, she ended up coming out there with me. So, you know, um, granted, unfortunately, I was working a ton of hours. Right. Um, you know, we were young, at, at, obviously, at that age. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we, we had a great time. Got to do a lot of skiing. Yeah, I was about to say, like Tahoe. Like, Tahoe. Tahoe's right there, Absolutely. right? Yeah, it was like 30-minute drive. So um, I had Tuesdays off a lot, and they had this two for Tuesday. And my wife and I, we would go skiing. That was like my only day off. And this is no kids, right? No this, kids. Yeah, pre kids. Pre kids, everything. Yeah. You, the good life. The good life. <laughs> two of you living in Reno, uh-huh. working the Sam's Club. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. What What would be some big lessons from that? Like, what a great, what a great opportunity. Mm-hmm. What? The biggest store they had opened up to that point? Yeah, absolutely. And they're going to trust a 21-year-old? Mm-hmm. Yep, for sure. Yep. Now, how much oversight now, was I mean, that? I was not in charge of I So, like, there was a general manager, and I wasn't that guy. I mean, but I had half. So, he had, he had two assistants, and then I would have half of those employees. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so you had somebody there mm-hmm. that, that was maybe been around, around right? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. So, you had that going. Okay. But 21-year-olds, you know, and I, we could always, you know, Flash, you know, forward to who who you are now, what you do now, the value you provide, how you lead, how you lead your family, sure, your companies, sure. and all. Like, what's that? But, like, that was instrumental for you. Twenty one years old. Yeah. You know what lessons? Like, you didn't know anything. No. Right. Uh-huh. I mean, your background in leadership probably was, you know, you got you said two months of training from Sam's Club, yeah. but athletics sure. and maybe and then the the values that your family sure. and, and all that sort of stuff. So, but what were the big lessons coming out of 
for a 21 year old coming out of that experience yeah you know for me thankfully uh, uh, probably pretty lucky in terms of just a natural born leader in whether through sports I mean you know captain of the football team senior class president a lot of a lot of those kind of things so I, I felt like uh, just leadership was a natural thing um, I will tell you though thankfully with Sandsville I think one of the things that they do well too is this um, they transfer you around a lot so for me being young you know you're gonna make a lot of mistakes and so I wasn't in very many clubs for very long and then they would transfer you and you mm. just felt like you you know when you transfer it's like a fresh new start so you get to kind of put some of your mistakes behind you mm. and you get to move on um, so I was with them four years and five different clubs so I honestly I was pretty thankful for that um, that opportunity of being able to make some mistakes and because uh, it is when you're when you're 21 years old and you're managing I mean, especially when they moved back to St. Charles, there were people that knew Sam Walton and had been around the company for many more years than what I was mm. than what I was around. So right. really, it was more around leveraging their expertise. You know, hey, what do you guys think? What do we need to change? Um, for me, it was just listening and learning a ton and trying to implement some of the ideas that, quite frankly, employees had. Mm, you know, right. I just had the title and had to, had to help them get through it. How hard it. Uh, now I know, like, like I said, Joe and I are friends, and I know him, and I kind of know the answer to this question. But I mean, how does does ego play into any of that? Like, you're 21 years old; it's easy to flex and puff up a little bit and say, you know, look at me, like I know what I'm doing. Look at what they 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 gave me this responsibility. I have this title. I'm making this type of money, and I'm running this store. Sure. That's the biggest one they had, sure. you know. And I'm and just rolling around yeah. with kind of an ego and being flexed up? I mean, I, I would hope not. Uh, I would hope the people that, that have worked for me say that, I, that you know, I'm not I'm not driven by ego or, or title. Um, you know, I've had that conversation with multiple people. You know, I was honestly fortunate enough to be 35 uh, VP for Coca-Cola at a, you know, Fortune 100 company, you know. Right. So um, I, I, I would hope that my employees would, would, would agree with my statement that uh, I, I'm not, I'm not ego driven. I just want to, uh, hit the vision for the company and achieve goals and, and really lead people and that's 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 what I've always wanted to do yeah a servant leadership servant leader that is and there was an article today that I was uh, flipping through I didn't read the whole article just about servant leadership something on LinkedIn and that is a boy the first time I ever heard that phrase servant leadership was Dick Bennett Dick Bennett's a legendary coach that coached at his son now is um, uh, is Bennett, I mean, his first name is escaping me, but he's at uh, Virginia, which just won the national championship. But Dick Bennett was at Wisconsin, Wisconsin Stevens Point for people that are basketball people. First time I heard that phrase, and it, for whatever, now now it's like the word, right, in terms of leadership. Like this whole, I find myself saying with the groups I'm working with uh, professionally, and, it, and it, here's the thing I've learned about leadership. Um, and, and this is how I took what you said. You said natural born leader something along those lines like you just said it like it felt like you were born you that you so i guess you would believe like hey you you either got it like it can be developed you could work at oh, it sure. and all yeah, that sort well, of totally stuff. Yeah. but some people are just born with kind of those those traits those values that language from from their upbringing right yeah i mean i would say for me it was probably more of a drive like i was probably driven a little bit more i would say than the average person thankfully um you know maybe that's my upbringing or uh Maybe God bless me with those skills. I'm not too sure. Maybe it's a combination yeah, of both. Right. Um, but when you're one of nine, you figure out how to be self-sufficient. And you, you know, when you're on a farm, you got to figure out how to do things. And and so, you know, I was able to really just take those learnings and, and just try to apply them to everyday life. Yeah. I so I think those things because this is what it has me thinking of about mm -hmm. leadership. And one of the things that I try to do with my teams 
is, you know, we say these phrases and these words and we read these books and podcasts and we do all this sort of stuff. But at the core, my, uh, what my belief is starting to be in some of this stuff is it's just got to be who you are and it's got to be really authentic. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Right. So when you talk about some of this stuff of like jo when Joe and I got together, the first words out of his mouth uh, when we started talking about the podcast were, I think we can provide a lot of value. Right. It wasn't like, let's network, let's meet a lot of people, let's get guests that can help us get, you know, better bank jobs and a better parking spot and a nicer car. Like it was like, I think our stories and the people and the guests what we bring on can provide value to people listening, even if it's one person. Right. It can be somebody. Um, so it's like, like I know Joe. Right. And I know that's like him. That's his values. That's his authenticity. That's who he is. Right. And so but I see people, you know, that try to lead a certain way. And unfortunately, their authentic selves is, you know, like combative and, you know, and just like decisive and not bringing people together and, Ego not driven. you know what I mean? It's just <laughs> yeah. like all that. So because yeah. the words that I, I mean, seem to use, like to your point, like there's a I'm starting to use that word serve a lot more. And it's not, and I'm not using that word serve with the company I work for or the teams that, that, that I'm, uh, you know, with, with and working for, um, you know, but I, I mean that I'm like, man, what can I do to help you? Like, what can I do to make your job yeah. easier? Yeah. No, I totally agree. And I think too, as you, as you get um, into leadership positions, uh, I was introduced to that servant leadership model, like you were mentioning from Al Carey. He's the, he was the CEO of, of Pepsi at the time. And, and, uh, he was the first one, but you know, I, I didn't really even know what the hell it meant. And he showed this inver inverted pyramid where the CEO was at the bottom. I was like, holy cow. Like, and he really meant it. And so I got a lot of lessons from that. And, and, uh, and as I grew, you know, older and learned more, but you know, when you're a leader, it's really about just empowering the people and uh, removing obstacles. That's what you're there for. Yeah. Like empower them to make decisions, allow them to make mistakes, coach them along the way. And remove obstacles, whether they're financial or maybe it's sometimes cross-functional, uh, um, you know, obstacles that get in the way. But there's always obstacles, and uh, I, honestly, that's usually one of the last things when I when I hang up the phone with my, one of my direct reports. Like, what can I do to help you? What do you need mm -hmm. from me? And I ask it all the time, religiously. And you expect, yeah, like kind of expect an answer. Oh, right? I, yeah, you know I what I mean. Like, like, hey, you, if people, we're not talking for nothing here. What do you need? Well, from what me? do you need? Like, how can I help you? Right, <laughs> exactly. and, and having people know, like, shit, he really means it. Like he means what yeah. it's not lip service. That is Joe. That is George. Hopefully that, you know, that Hey, I'm here to, yeah, I, the, the thing that I'm getting more wrapped up, I'm 40, almost 48 now. And so I'm getting old. Right. And we were talking with my team earlier about when this start, you know, me uh, being 34 years old. Now I'm 48, you know, title response, you know, uh, title and paycheck and parking spots and things like, you know, I just want to provide value, make, you know, and the, the pivot that I'm making definitely in the past year or so is what can I just do to make your job easier? Like they're like, and I ask people now at work, I'm like, tell me three things that sucks that you hate doing and that mm -hmm. suck about your job. What, what, what is horrible in people even above me or people that are peers with me? Like, and what can I do? What can our group do? What can our team do? What can, how can we serve you? So you don't have to sit around. I had a gentleman that uh, told me, he's like, George, I spend three weeks every quarter doing stuff I absolutely hate. Three weeks. And it's just administrative garbage. And I'm sitting there going, all right, well, tell me what sucks about it. Tell me the process. Tell me what you do. Tell me who could support you. And I was like, let's just figure this out. Like, let's let's lean this out. Let's figure out how you don't hate three weeks of your, of your job, you know, which is what? Is that 24 weeks a year, right? Is that almost half? 
right? If, if that's right, if my math is right. So, you know, we've, I think if we had leaders like that, like, hey, man, what sucks for you? And how can we make this better? And, um, and how you, I mean, so that, well, that hits me with like, what you're saying. Like, you know, take it a little step further because that's, it's, to me, that's an important exercise. Like, you really have to, it's understanding your team, right? And understanding what their strengths are, understanding what their opportunities are. So let's say if you have t- 10 people, you've got one person, maybe it's 10 hours a week that he absolutely cannot stay in that job. You might have somebody on, on your team that, that actually doesn't mind doing that. You know, and so if you think about those ten hours of of unproductivity that this person might have because he hates it, um, maybe it probably takes him twelve hours because he doesn't want to do it or whatever. But you can you can maybe it's sliding that work over and give that guy forty hours of valuable time where he can focus. Um, Because you know that was definitely an activity that I would do with all my employees. Like, what's your strengths? What's your opportunities? We all have them. Just be transparent about them. Like, and then you need to understand what the strengths and opportunities of your team are. And sometimes you gotta switch some work around, you know, because yeah. it just doesn't make sense. Like, are right. they, are they, where's our time focused? You know, this is not a, a beat up exercise. This is just trying to understand what everybody's doing, where are you spending your time, and are you doing things that you're good at? Mm-hmm. If you're not, do we need to train you? Do what do we need to do? How do I need to help you? Um, maybe there's some things that are like you're saying, administrative work. We can just slide those to somebody that's paid a little bit less. Right. And I, I get you focused on the high value stuff. So. Mm. Um, and, and that takes some time. It takes some work, but it's it, it's definitely a much needed activity that I would recommend everybody doing with our teams for sure. Yeah, I like the I, I like the phrase of uh, let's get you focused on the high value work. Right, you're mm-hmm. both, you know, everybody's got value to provide. Everybody's uh, valuable to the team. There's nobody, you know. I was talking uh, everybody. You know, we used to say in coaching, and those that have listened to the podcast know my background a little bit. But we used to say the most important people in any athletic ba- uh, program, basketball, football, whatever it would be, would be the secretaries, trainers, and janitors, mm-hmm. right? The, you know, those, yep. those are the people that you have to make feel part of the team. And right. they're, they're the lowest paid, right? right. Those the are the most, yeah, those front are your line. people. You got to, you know, we use the phrase <laughs> build an army. Mm-hmm. You, you start building your army with those people. Yep. Um, but the, the thing you said or the thing, what you were saying that has led, uh, that this is what I took that you say. I took ev- what you just said. I took everything literally, but my mind changed uh, really thinking about as managers, leaders, whatever you want to call yourself, right? But as leaders of groups at your organization, if you don't know what sucks about your employee's job, you need to start asking, yeah. right? And that's a takeaway for me, like, like point, like matter of fact, point blank, I need to write it down. Like the people that I'm being asked to lead, projects I'm being asked to lead, if you don't know what is cumbersome and what people don't like and what sucks, and, and listen, part of working is doing stuff you don't like on occasion or exactly. stuff that takes a long time. That doesn't mean you, that the manager can remove the suck. Ah, yeah, <laughs> yeah there's going to be stuff that sucks, man. There is. You can't take it away. Suck. But if you're bought, like if, if I'm leading somebody and I know, like take this gentleman for example, if I never ask that question, and him and I can't sit down because we're intelligent people that love to problem solve and lean a company and a team out. And I never knew that problem. But now that I know it, now I can get in a room with him, myself, and maybe one or two other people and say, hey, this guy's super valuable and super important and, and gets things done. But we've got him three weeks a month or three weeks a quarter doing things that are, are, are the worst part of his job that isn't a great use of his time and, and if it needs to be done and it needs to be done by him it's just not efficient it's not efficient that it takes three weeks mm-hmm. so how can we pro- how can we solve that if you don't know the people underneath you or that you're leading uh, underneath probably not the greatest phrase um, and, and what what problems they have how the mindset is how can I make your job better what can I do 
what can I do? What can I, what back, what boulders that are on you can I lift off, right? Um, well, on the flip side too, if you're going to tell me, Jordan, you have 25 hours of suck work and I can't change that for you and that's just who you are, then maybe you're not at the right company, right? I mean, realistically, yeah. or I'm going to understand that you're a potential flight risk. This guy's doing 25 hours of work every week that he hates. Mm. Uh, there's probably a chance he's not going to want to be with this company very much longer. Yeah. You know? And so yeah. it's it, it helps you understand that too. Yeah. And then, you know, how can you start growing your next future leader if that is the, truly the case? Yeah. The one, uh, I mean, I've learned a lot through this pandemic and just, uh, you know, we're all working remote for the most part. Not everybody, mm -hmm. obviously, that yeah. is listening, but, you know, a number of people are and um, and listening to podcasts and talking with people and being immersed in, uh, you know, some of this stuff. Um, the one thing I've learned is, man, I, I control, I control my career. I control it. And if, if I'm, if I'm involved in the suck and it's 25 hours, I've got control of that. Right. I mean, I uh, like I can make decisions now. They're not always easy decisions. And sometimes the, the outcome and the finish line of those decisions is difficult, but it's there. Right. I'm reading right now a book by David Nurse. I encourage everybody listening uh, to get David Nurse's Pivot and Go book. David is a uh, he's the nephew of Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse is the NBA head coach for the Toronto Raptors. Just won a world championship a year or two ago. David is his nephew. Um, and uh, it's a, it's just a great book, but it's about this idea of just you are in control of things. Um, you can make those decisions. Uh, you know, it's hard to make those decisions. It's hard to pivot out. But the main the main there's many main takeaways from his book. It's really great. And I've connected with him on LinkedIn and and very lucky with that. Um, but one of the main things he says and his mom told him this story and it's you've all heard this story before, but. His career, he worked for the Brooklyn Nets and ended up getting fired. He was a shooting doctor in the NBA for the New York, uh, for the, um, the Brooklyn Nets. And he got fired. They had a, a coaching change and he got fired and he got pushed out. He thought he was, his dream was to be in the NBA and work with that level of athlete. And he got fired. And now he's sitting on his mom's couch. And his mom said, and we've all heard this phrase before, but one door closes and another opens. But his mom said, man, one door closes. And he said, she said, David, like four or five more are going to open. And some of them are going to have like beachfront property overlooking the ocean. You just have to be open. You have to be aware. You have to look for the opportunities. You got to network. You got to meet people. You got to do all this sort of stuff. And that it impacted him. So all that being said, like, yeah, if, 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 if you're there, I'm not, I'm not encouraging everybody to go quit their jobs if they got 25 hours of suck, but <laughs> yeah, I'm encouraging you to have the mindset of like, I control this. Like I can, I, I control what's going on and if things don't work out, like there's there's beachfront property waiting for you. Like it's out there. It's it's out there and waiting for you. But you've got to be open and responsive and available. And again, you got to take action. Um, to, so anyway, I encourage everybody to listen to. And David Nurse is online. He's been on the Ed Milet show. That's where I got introduced to him. Was the Ed Milet show uh, doing a virtual interview with him and talk about a guy. Um, and, and this is who I hope to be. Um, but talk about a guy that you lit, that immediately brings energy to a group, to a discussion, to a friend, to somebody out there. It was amazing. Like you're just sitting there listening to this guy going, damn, like this guy's got some juice and energy and makes you want to conquer the day. Um, I'm going to pivot off that uh, real quick. Um, I don't know how much time we have left. If we go longer, we go longer. Oh, got plenty of time, <laughs> plenty of time. Right. So, um, I don't know if you do this. Um, and I've started this practice. And I'm putting you on the spot because I don't know if you, you could tell me, George, I don't do this. I've never heard about it. And it sounds like it's the dumbest thing ever. Okay. But maybe two or three years ago, I listened to a podcast. And now that we're in the new year, 
and um, I've done this episode the past couple years, is there's a word of the year. I forgot where I heard it from. I don't know if it was Ed Milet, and I talked to Jason Wells about it, where people would have a word of the year that they're going to live by, that they're going to put in front of them. They're going to put it on note cards. They're going to put it on their phones. They're going to put it you know, in a planner, whatever it is. And so I spent some time over New Year's really thinking about uh, you know, my word for 2021. I think at one point, you know, my word was uh, action. I think my word was uh, connection. Uh, I think my word may have been, you know, humbleness. Uh, so those may have been like the last three or so years, things like that. And, and so I'm just throwing that, I'm throwing it out there to Joe. Like, I don't know if you've heard of that. Do you ever do it? Do you have a word for the year? And if you don't, which is cool, I put you on the spot, but are there like things that you're looking to do in 2021? Like that would, that you could encompass in a word to kind of drive you through, you know, 12 chapters. Um, I can't say that I have a word of the year. I do say I put out goals every year. Um, quite frankly, I make my kids do them too. And I actually Seriously. sent my kids a text message today of a screenshot of their goals and said, what have you done? Really? <laughs> so um, I, I, I do write out goals. Uh, and I think I even told you one of my, maybe send it to you in an email in terms of just connecting with more people, trying to uh, give back more and make a positive impact yep. in, in the people around me. Um, that has stuck with me really. Uh, really the last five years I, I wish i was better at that my first you know 35 years uh, but definitely the last five years i feel like i've and i'm not too sure how that that change or that flip um you know maybe it's i, I definitely it's probably when i started listening to podcasts more yeah. honestly was about that time because that's really kind of when it started coming out um so but my wife and i we we have goals that we we do um i gotta learn square dancing this year so holy is that God. on the list is that her goal <laughs> She's like, hey, we're going to learn to square dance? Yeah. Hey, don't, uh, I mean, your wife's yeah. friends with my wife. Do not tell my wife that. Because <laughs> I think I your, your wife and my wife were supposed to do like a 5 or 10K together. Yeah. And I don't, uh-huh. and so, yeah, don't tell, don't tell my that wife. That is still um, on my wife's list. So she That's, wants to, to do the, I forgot if it was, did she write 10K or half half marathon? One of those two. So. Great. One thing I've learned, I, 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 I love it. Mm-hmm. We could just, like, we have this 45 minute block, but we could just keep going. Um. I, Jesse Itzler is really fascinating to me. I don't know if you know who he is. You need to find everybody should find Jesse Itzler's content. It's amazing. This guy, he's a partial owner of the Atlanta Hawks. He started a, a, a marquee jet, private uh, jet airline things that he sold to uh, the Warren Buffett. Again, he's a, an owner of the Atlanta Hawks. His wife is Sarah Blakely, who uh, invented Spanx, and apparently every woman knows what Spanx are, and so they, they do really well. But the guy is super humble. And all this, but the one thing I love about Jesse Itzler, and you have me thinking about it right now, is this: he says, "Don't build your resume, build your life resume." And everything he does is around whatever the quick acronym of "build your life yeah, resume." Yeah. Um, it's about experiences. It's about sitting down, like you said, like, "Hey, at the start of the year, I've got my goals, but you know what? We're also writing these this experience list." Like, up somebody for my wedding um, to my wife gave us a an ad- adventures type book, but it's a goal couple goal book or something where you write down a hundred things that you want to do together, either maybe in your lifetime or a year or whatever it might be, and then it has you know each page has an action item to do that. But that's it, right? It's sitting down like your wife says, you know what? We're going to learn to square dance this year, right? So it's building it's building those experiences, right? And I think sometimes, a lot of the times, probably for me. Uh, you know, be, I'm just being honest. My my wife has arranged for us to go skiing in Missouri. Skiing in Missouri. I grew up in Seattle. <laughs> went to college Thanks in Salt so. Lake City. So I know what skiing is, but mm-hmm. for some reason we're going skiing in Missouri. 
And I'm not sure about that. I think we're going to go like sledding down like over did, at the local park. Did she up your life insurance? <laughs> you know what? She might have actually. So, but, but I'm sitting around thinking, like this is no joke. Like I'm totally transparent and know all my flaws and the things I've got to improve on. I start thinking about work. I start thinking about meetings. I start thinking about the project I'm on. I start thinking about all this other stuff. And my wife is wrapped up in the experience and being together and having this great experience and going square dancing yeah. and doing all this and she has this. And, and so what I have to do, and it's not, I'm not changing my word of the year, although I haven't shared it yet, but my word, but, I, but my perspective is, is to make sure this is an Allen Stein thing. You've all heard this phrase before, but the phrase is to, is to be where your feet are. Be where your feet are, right? It's not me going skiing with the family. Being in the moment. And being in the moment. Because that's the experience. Yeah. It's the experience. It's that time like, man, we got all five of us together. We went sledding and tubing and skiing. And we had hot chocolates. And we all, you know, she went out today and got on Amazon and bought parkas. And I'm sitting there and ski boots and all this sort of. I'm going, we're going skiing once. <laughs> 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 we don't need all this stuff. Right, but she wants that experience. Yep. She wants that experience. So, now is that what it, your go goals and your experiences? Do you and your wife sit down and say, "Hey, 2021, uh, these yeah, are things no, we want to experience as I mean, a family"? She's definitely like she's already got um, the trip for Hawaii planned when when we hit uh, anniversary 25. So like that's, that's is that this year? Calendar. No, we got a few more. Um, I think we have seven, or maybe she wanted that was 20. Um, I should know because I just looked at the goals yesterday, but. Um, so, but my wife, same way, bigger on the experiences. She tells me that I need to live in the moment more because I, I, I think yeah. about the future a lot and like, how am I going to do something better going forward? Right. She's like, sometimes you just need to relax and focus on the here and the now. Like she's, she, so it's a good balance. Um, if it wasn't for her, honestly, we probably wouldn't, we would have missed out on a few of the vacations that we went because she was definitely like, we got to do this. We got to do this. Like we're going to go here as a family. We're going to do this. So. Um, sounds like Monica's kind of the same, you know, in terms of, of, right. of doing that for you as well, you know. Oh, yeah, we yeah we'd be doing nothing. We wouldn't go anywhere. I mean, we'd eat we'd eat really well still. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that's about it. But still it's sitting on the lawn chair. Yeah, I mean, if we had this conversation on the thirtieth of December thirty first, my oh. word of the year would be different. It'd be it'd be being present. I said some, you know, my well, my wife and I right now are doing something we're doing a health challenge card called the hard 75 it's from andy priscilla hard 75 i encourage everybody to look into it most people not most mo most people know about it if you don't that you know I'm, I'm not being mean or anything um but it's a great thing but it's um you know so you set up and you have to do six things i won't go through them all but um we're on day 15 super excited about that that we've made it this far we did a 45 minute walk today because it's snowing out and things like that we've got 60 days to go um, but I wanted to do some different things. It was, and I wanted to, uh, my, my wife, she's the best. I'm telling you, she'll, she calls me out and, and calls me out in a way that, um, I respond to not always appropriately, but, um, <laughs> but the idea of just being locked in, like on devices, right. Of, of being that example of being on devices. So my, I set up some goals for myself. Now, you know, um, the stuff going in, on in Washington, D.C. is throwing me for a little bit of a loop on not being connected to my device. But it's, uh, I, I didn't want to be on my phone for the first, or I didn't want to be on my phone for the first hour of the day. Didn't want to. Didn't even want to be on the TV. I wanted to get up at the hours I get up, 4.30, 5 o'clock, 5.30, and say, all right, for the next hour, no TV, and for the next two hours, no phone. In fact, not even touch it. Now, 
I'm not doing it. I think it's great. I did it for a while. I need to get back into that. But the other thing that is of importance to the experience and being present in, uh, in my wife's life and in, in my children's life and at the home is no phone after seven, right? And that's been hard for me. Like, but those are things like, that, that's not part of the hard 75. It's just things that I thought would be better for me. But to the point of goals and experiences and being present, Shit, I think those are like two amazing, like those are, one, you don't start your day with a bunch of garbage. It really is, it's just a bunch of garbage, in my opinion. You know, and then at seven o'clock, I should be locked in on the family. I should be locked in on my kids and and my stepdaughter and my wife, and we should be having the experience. One, and then it's just the example of what I'm I'm showing to my children, Mm -hmm. right? And so that's hard. But all this, I'm putting a bow on this, but it's all really built around these experiences and these goals. Let me ask you, how do you guys, what do you do with your kids and your family? Like, do you all sit down and say, pull out a piece of paper, pen, and like we're writing things down and we're going to set our goals up? Do you walk them through the exercise? Do you brainstorm with them? Do you map it out? Do you brain dump? How do you do all this? It's definitely not like they're one of my employees. Right, right, (laughs) right. But it's... uh, um, I definitely, uh, so, I mean, it's been 15 days or so since we did it. We did it like December 31st. So, uh, you know, one, one was, uh, you know, how are you going to impact other people? Like, what are you going to do to, whether it's be nice, you know, or help somebody or, uh, you know, I'm on a board of a homeless shelter. Like, are you going to get involved there? Are you going to do something like that? Um, and they had to have a school one. Like, what do you want to like do? Like grade related and things of Anything that Anything kind of school related. Okay. And then they're all involved in sports. So one needed to be some sort of physical fitness, you know. So those are the three categories that uh, I said, you got to at least have one in each category. And so you give them the ground rules. Yeah. And then they run right. off that yeah. day or yeah. then you give them some time, yeah. possibly. And then they come back with their goals. Yeah. And then, you know, 15 days later and they do very little work and then you know i keep reminding them and you know i, I would say it, it is i mean it's challenging when you have kids and, and yeah. you know uh but for me you know I'm, I'm a big believer in goals i mean i reference mine often um so i'm, I'm kind of naturally wired in that and uh you know but when you're a sophomore in high school that's not always what you're thinking about right <laughs> you know yeah, right. i true. wish i would have done that right. when i was that young no but that's a great it's one of these things like you're your kids aren't they're going to know about this they're going to carry it on and right now it's like some tedious oh here we go it's the 31st and dad and mom are going to come and we're going to have this exercise and blah 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 but when it's parenting coaching and leading and all that is trying to convince people of what uh of things that they'll eventually figure out for themselves and you want them to figure things out as early as possible right like and the example i always use with this stuff is like yeah, the guy that's laying on his deathbed of emphysema and lung cancer, I think has finally figured out smoking wasn't the best route. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he figured it out at 60, right? So if he could have figured it out at 10 or 16 or 21 when he was at a, like, that would have been better, oh, right? So it's one of these things, like your kids may not figure it out, uh-huh. but if they figure it out at 21 and they're in college yeah. saying, hey, it's January 1st, I'm going to sit there and maybe your, you know, your boy Kyle picks up the phone to, you know, your daughter Carolyn and says, hey, are you working on your goals? Like, you know, <laughs> dad wants us on our goals, right? Well, that's I, you know, when you and I out, grew right? up, I mean, that's what I was trying to tell the kids the other day. I said, look, I said, you know, when I grew up, if I didn't see it on the sports, you know, like watch it on the news or yeah. you didn't, we didn't have the chance to go back and look at YouTube or LinkedIn. We didn't have those opportunities for, you know, interviews of professional athletes or people to, yeah. to, to go back and pull it up on my phone and say, why was Michael Jordan so much better? I mean, there was a few books that were written on him, 
Uh, I wasn't the most avid reader. That's not my preferred method of learning. I mean, I'm much more of a either a visual or I'd like to just listen to stuff. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I'm not a guy that can sit. I don't have patience to sit and read a book. Mm -hmm. I love to learn, but that's not my preferred method. I don't mind mm -hmm. <clears throat> reading, but, you know, so for these kids, it's, they have so much more opportunity yeah. to learn at such a younger age. Yeah. You know, we didn't we didn't have that opportunity to. Yeah, and we need to have that practice here at the, with the kids that we have here to. Again, it may not be anything that they bite onto, right? Mm -hmm. But it might be when they're 25, right, right? Right. And being able to letting these kids and everybody, I'm, I'm working with, I'm working with teams now, and I had meetings uh, this morning, and I just said, hey, my goal is to have the best team in the entire company, and what and what what do those things take, and what can we do, and uh, what process and behaviors and habits can we create so we're the best team? I'm doing that with 55 year olds. Like, how can we goal set to get this done? The, the word of the year that I'm rolling with this year, um, and hold me accountable to this because we'll be together you know, through the, throughout this year, is um, finish, right? I, be, I want to finish everything that gets going. I'm really, hey, I'm, I am king. I am the king of starting. I'm the king. I rule it. I can start basements. <laughs> uh, we are sitting in my basement, and this sucker is started. You're going to get that workout done on Monday? <laughs> I'm start on Monday. I got to get, like, I'm in the hard 75. I'm 60 yeah, days away. That's good. That's good. Am that's I going to finish it? Yeah. Am I going to finish the basement? Am I going to finish the dishes? Am I going to finish, like, everything? Am I going to finish? Am I going to finish? I am the king of starting. Um, I had a friend that whose wife refused. Uh, he wanted to do something in the bathroom or remodel or something like that. And he was going to start it. And his wife said, absolutely not. You will not be touching this bathroom. You will hire a contractor. <laughs> And I think the story was, and he was really upset about that. And she was like, because you're going to start it and it's going to sit this way for two years and never get it done. And I want it done. Right. So it's that idea of just finishing. So I, I do like the idea of, of being present, um, of, of being where your boots are, as Alan Stein says. And I like the idea of, of finishing. Like, again, we're sitting in my basement right now and it's got, you know, framing up and drywall up and wires running everywhere. Um, but it's a long ways to go till I'm able to uh, open the fridge and grab a beer out of it. So um, that we're trying to keep these to 45. I'm super excited about uh, being back engaged with the podcast, um, really because of this. Uh, and I, 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 I know I have a tendency to talk fast and get long-winded. But a friend of mine sent me a link the other day. Um, he's reorganizing his business. He's the, he's the owner. He's the founder. He's the CEO of his own business. He's a friend of mine. He's reorganizing it. It's a coaching and consulting business. He's been on the podcast. He's done LinkedIn Live with me. One of the best people I met in 2019. It was an ama amazing, uh, amazing connection. But met him because of networking on LinkedIn and the podcast. My, my, the podcast and reaching out. One of my college roommates um, that I haven't heard from in years listens to the podcast. Sent me the nicest text message note that I've ever received. And that's not hyperbole or me trying to draw it out. The nicest I've ever received. And it was a lengthy text message, but it was him saying, you know, he's listening to the podcast. He's listened to every episode. He made these changes in his life. He made these changes to his career. And now he's doing this. And he's doing significant. Now it's clearly, clearly not on, the, on me, the podcast or anything like that. But it's just, you know, getting some things in your mind. This is what I've said about our podcast. There's hopefully going to be things in here that you may be able to take away, but you can't, you can't take everything away. My hope would be is that you could take one, one thing away 
implement one thing. I do this because I want to take one thing away into my life. Mine is, man, I just need to be more present and I've got to clear the noise out so I can be present, um, you know, and, and not be thinking about work or other things that uh, take me away from those moments because it's building your life resume, right? But it was a great message from my friend and he's just on the next phase of his life at 47, 48 years old has just hit this great moment. And what I liked about that, let me just end with this. And because I really believe this and Joe is like this for me. And we actually have a really great group of, of men here you know, where we live and we're all really tight and we're on text threads together. But this is what I took away from that message from my college roommate, 25 years that I haven't seen. And I've talked to him maybe once was that he knew who he could celebrate with. He had these great, great things happen in his life that impacted him, the people he's now leading, his boy and his family and his wife and his family. And it's significant to him, like some great things happen, but because it happened, he, for whatever reason, he wanted to celebrate with me. He was like, hey, this happened and is going on in my life and I want to thank you for X, Y, and Z. And that's cool, but he wanted to celebrate with me. So my, my encouragement is, one, as leaders, make sure you celebrate with your teams when they reach their, their moments, personally, professionally, so th and mean it and be authentic like we talked about. But man, have people in your life that you can sell. I have a friend. Uh, that very close here in town, Joe's friends with him. He sends me a note the other day uh, uh, and with his report card of what's going on at work. And he is over exceeding and it's a national company and it's a national brand and he is the best in the whole company it looks like. And he he's not going to put that on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, but he shared it with me. And I was like, my takeaway is, man, that's great that he knows he can sell. It's great that he can celebrate with me. Right? I hope you all have people that you can celebrate with because I know we, we are humble, but when we kick ass, it's fun to have somebody say, man, you're doing great. You're doing great. And it's great to be that person that people uh, come to. And I hope that, that I have that, that people want to share that with me. And if anything's going on in anybody's life and they want to send me a note on LinkedIn uh, to share their uh, successes and their victories and their Super Bowls, man, I'm, I'm, I'm here to uh, applaud you with all that. Uh, um, so Joe's going to be a co-host with us. Joe's, uh, we're going to bring in executives and CEOs. We're reformatting this a little. It's, it's not going to change that much. We love to talk about teams and individual development and goals and habits and, um, fan, you know, sports, parent, sports <laughs> you know, basketball and, and all this other stuff and what's going on. Um, and uh, that's kind of always been the subject matter of uh, our podcast. But Joe's going to be a regular with us. And uh, how can people track you down? I know you are active on LinkedIn, LinkedIn your biggest yeah. thing. Yeah, LinkedIn would be the easiest. Yep. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's Joe Quinn, two ends, right? Yep. Q-I-N-N, -N, Joe Quinn. He's here in St. Louis. Track him down on, on LinkedIn. I encourage, uh, you know, use LinkedIn. Get connected. Don't be a connection. Just be really connected with people. Um, as Jason Wells says, we all have all sorts of contacts. I can open up my phone in front of me, and I probably have 500 contacts in here. But I probably only have 30 connections, right? I got. I, we got to have more connections to that. So listen, we're going to get into a routine with this, uh, with the podcast. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you're glad we're, or you're glad we are back and that Joe is going to be with us. Reach out to him on LinkedIn. Reach out to me on LinkedIn. We're going to amplify this a little bit more through Twitter, through LinkedIn, through Facebook and things of that nature. And uh, reach out to us. Be connected with us and uh, celebrate your wins with us. And we will talk to you on the next episode next week. Take care. Thank you.